0: Hi and welcome to this episode of So What's Up, I'm here with James and today we are taking a look back on everything that happened in 2020. So looking back on 2020, um, I think a lot of people want to forget this year ever happened and um, actually a a lot of key things did happen in the industry that I think are worth remembering because of everything that happened with regards to um, the lockdowns that were on and um, how many businesses had to pivot. So many things happened in the digital space that just really blew up and changed the way that we're going to live, I think, forever. So um, James, what's the best thing that you think has happened in 2020?
1: I don't know if you call it the best thing, but I think if you look at 2020 in terms of the outcomes it's generated, and like you said, the the word pivot's a good one. um, I think the change in e-commerce was just massive um yeah th- these various stats that have been banded around now which is i think last year moved e-commerce on five or ten years in the space of six months and <clears throat> i think that's probably true i mean you can look at it now and in early 2021 it, this, there's just no let up in that obviously not helped by the lockdown situation but th- these things aren't going back now you know i think in, in only yesterday, you know, Debenhams have said that they're closing all their retail stores now and their website's been sold. For, and so that was the valuable asset in that business. Um, and I think we're just going to see more and more of that go on. And people just need to realise that we're not going to go back to what it was like in 2019. <laughs> and so 2020 was the year where it, it really was the, the death knoll for things that were going to go anyway, but it just made it happen a bit sooner. Um, I, I think, you know, in terms of channels and the way people communicate, um, social media became a sort of more important from a community point of view. So keeping in touch with friends and family and potentially some of its original purpose um, was w- sort of reinstated, really, um, especially in communities where yeah, you had sort of high prevalences of COVID and people were trying to stick to the rules. And this became a, an area where you know, the only way to share things with grandparents was via, was via social media. Um, and obviously, from our, I suppose the biggest impact from our point of view was the um, this massive rise of the remote meeting, um, which is seeing absolutely no let up at the moment. Um, and actually, it's, it's creating almost a bit of an overwork situation because people are fitting into their day more meetings than they ever would have done in person. And so you end up just having back-to-back, zoom and teams meetings um whereas actually i think in the past you'd have had uh, a lot more sort of time between those meetings and uh, i think there's an element to consider there of of, of workload and, and mental health with that
0: i think that is a big topic that is worth discussing and um how people are now trying to um orchestrate the the water cooler chat um i know of companies that are um, kind of orchestrating these um, really forcing them they're like putting half an hour in people's diaries and um, making them talk to like a random one of their colleagues that they wouldn't necessarily talk to that's like not on their team, um, just on a Zoom call. And I i don't know if this is a unpopular opinion, but I honestly could not think of anything worse. Like if I've got a lot of stuff to do and someone just like randomly puts a Zoom invite into my inbox as a water cooler chat, Um, I don't think that would go down too well with me.
1: No, I, I agree. I mean, but w- I mean, we've seen it ourselves though, haven't we, with, uh, with our team. You know, uh, I think um, last year when the lockdown things first happened it was all quite a novelty the whole working from home everyone was quite enthusiastic about it and you know very quickly people just sort of missed the you know the, the meeting people in the office seeing people day to day collaborating and you know no matter what anyone says the technology tools do not replace doing it in person uh, and i think it's difficult for companies that are still predominantly based that way to um, to sort of instigate those moments. Yeah, I was speaking to a client an hour ago and he was saying that he's not been back into his office for 18 months now and his whole team haven't because they, they were already doing some working from home before the pandemic. I'm thinking that's a really long time to not see the people you're working with in person. Uh, and yeah, I, I think, yeah, there is going to be knock-on effects from this, that people either become more insular or more, um, I don't know, I suppose less socially aware let's say when they're not seeing people day to day a know.
0: little bit more reclusive maybe yeah yeah 100%
1: yeah if you I think it's yeah it's okay for some people yeah like yeah we all know that sort of techies and developer people are kind of reclusive people anyway and they quite like that um but yeah people that are more social um designers creatives um even sort of just office admin staff who you know just come to work to yeah, to be near people and have a nice day, um, they're, they're the ones that are going to suffer from this. And I think there will be a big clamour to get back to the office once all the restrictions have gone. Um, and I don't, I, I kind of don't believe the the prophecies of um, dooming and glooming on the commercial office sector, because I think, I think they will come back, to be honest.
0: I think one of the things that has struck me um, from talking to a lot of people that I know of in the industry and um, a lot of the worries that they have is that, if well with a lot of agencies now going completely remote and not actually having offices a lot of the people that are working in those more kind of like creative roles or developer roles are actually thinking to themselves like right well I don't have the benefit of the culture of working within an agency now that actually has an office there's no sociability really within it all I do is get past work from say like an account manager or a or a marketing manager and um I could actually go out and join certain freelancing platforms and do the same amount of work but charge my own rates and probably make two or three times as much. So one thing that I'm really worried about is how are we as an industry going to keep people attracted to the industry? Because if there's no if there's no culture, if there's no kind of if there's no real benefit really to actually having that, how will remote agencies keep up?
1: Yeah, I think in our industry, culture tends to be the thing that people come into it for. Um, Yeah, without being uh, rude to certain other professions, but let's say I don't think you go, you become an accountant for the culture in that particular company. (laughs) Um, But, you know, in in our sort of creative world, culture is a big part of it. You only have to look at um, agency websites. And I say half the the agency's website is probably dedicated to talking about what a great place it is to work and what the perks are and all that kind of stuff. And... I think, yes, yeah, like you say, I think, well, if you haven't got that culture piece anymore, then what is the point in, in working agency? If people have got an option where they can work for potentially less time for more money uh, freelance, then, then does that create a bit of a skills drain available for agencies to use? Um, yeah, obviously there's issues where I think certain clients will always need a larger agency with all of its account management and admin function around that to make sure that jobs go properly. But I think especially in the lower end of the business where, you know, it's potentially too small a business for sizable agencies to work with anyway, there's sort of a big area there for these sort of freelancers to pop up and sort of work in their own way. Um, And you see that as well with people sort of that have taken the opportunity to move abroad during the pandemic and work from remote islands under sort of, um, you know, nomad visa schemes where they can just sort of hang out in Barbados for six months and do a bit of work and come back and go to Dubai for six months. And I think actually some of that might continue, really.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of places are actually now starting to pop up like um, virtual workplace villages on these remote islands, which is just absolutely insane.
1: Oh, yeah, completely. Uh, uh, but I think it's just the way things are going. And it's almost like people have re-evaluated the nine-to-five in light of the fact that they've not been going to an office Um, and yeah I think it'll depend on the particular company subculture I think in terms of if it affects some more than others but I mean I think it's an interesting topic really when you look at what opportunities are there for people if they're just willing to sort of uh, maybe expand their horizons Mm -hmm. a little bit.
0: Yeah and I think with um, everything being a lot more flexible now and people spending a lot more time online it would be silly for us not to even touch upon just how much social media usage rose just exponentially in 2020. Some of the stats are ridiculous like people who are like age um, under 19 are spending up to um, 60% more time online and they were already spending like around five hours a day on there. Like, I'd hate to see their screen report time on the phones.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, the, the younger age group who haven't been going to school, let's say, or ones that maybe haven't had some really consistent um, online schooling. I mean, what have they been doing with the time? I mean, if it's anything like my daughter, she's just been asleep, to be perfectly honest. But um, yeah, it's certainly increased that. I mean, that's never a great thing. I think everyone widely acknowledges that too much screen time is not a good thing for you, especially at night. Um, and I think this whole thing sort of leads into almost a bit of a, a device addiction, which is um, being sort of enhanced really by just the, the nationwide situation um, by giving people nothing else to do, I think is the long short of it. I think you can, you can be lucky in one way that, that this pandemic didn't happen 30, 40 years ago when you had four TV channels and no internet and no phone, because I, mean, I know I personally find that quite difficult.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, and one thing that I've found difficult, um, especially with all of the tech that we now have available, and also because of the industry that I'm in, I just have this incessant feeling to feel like always on all the time. And things happen so much, like social media platforms are updating every single day. Google is always iterating its platforms and its offering. And because you kind of have clients that rely on you to be the font of all things digital all the time, it can. Um, can create this pressure I guess to um really make you feel like you have to keep up with all of the updates and um just basically be there as soon as it happens so that you can spin it away and you can talk about it, which led me to have um, some pretty bad screen time myself. Um, I was talking to the guys in the office about how I've bought one of those phone lock boxes and my phone now has to go in at eight o'clock every single night and I lock it away for a few hours so I don't go on it before bed.
1: <laughs> I think that's basically a harsh solution to the problem. Um, but no, you, you are right, though. It, it's, you know, it. it, it. It's getting worse and worse for everybody. You know, the, the, I think the screen time report on the iPhone particularly is quite interesting, actually, when you look at it week to week. Um, and obviously it obviously tells you which apps you've been uh, using. Uh, my Mine's pretty much always the Daily Mail, actually. Um, I don't know why. I think it's just the most active background app, actually, on my phone. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting where yeah people do feel the obligation to be working all the time, to be on it, to be constantly um, connected to people. Um, And I think, you know, there's there's probably some benefits from pulling away from that, to be honest. But I mean, it's been interesting seeing some of the social media networks that have done particularly well in the last year. So you've got the platforms like TikTok, which obviously has been around a little while now, but continue to grow quite a lot. But also I would say, you know, Facebook, whilst popular as ever, I think people are getting a bit fed up of it.
0: I think the reason for that is Facebook is trying to be everything to everyone. So um, if we compare it to Twitter, because I, I guess those two have been around for very similar times, Twitter has always, in my eyes, stayed relatively true to what their offering is. And um, if they've ever strayed from that and they've had bad feedback from their customers, they've been very quick to rectify it and revert back to the original offering, which is essentially putting like kind of a place for you to just like tweet your thoughts um i mean it's not always a great thing to kind of fire your thoughts out there without really sense checking them but um i mean some people it's um, a really great platform for keeping up with the news whereas facebook now you've got facebook for jobs facebook for advertising facebook for your business page facebook for content creation i mean anything that you'd ever need from a business sense Facebook offers, and then as soon as you get things like Clubhouse, for example, Facebook now introduces Rooms.
1: Yeah, I mean, Facebook are always trying to keep up to be the number one, aren't they? I think they're probably still the number one. I, mean, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I suspect that by in by user base, they're still by far the biggest social network yeah Uh,
0: with all of them combined like across instagram whatsapp and facebook yeah
1: yeah 100 percent. and i think i think you know facebook are always trying to keep that market leading position but i think you know in terms of their offering to businesses it's just getting increasingly confusing i mean if anybody uh, i I was helping a client out actually um a few weeks ago and um we had to have a zoom call with four different people to try and sort of make sense of the complicated setup between facebook business pages and ad manager and how to and who had the right permissions for what and it just didn't make it easy um to 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 work with and i think as a sort of a small business that's just looking to facebook as a as a local platform to use it's just getting complicated Uh, and it's not it's not easy to understand anymore and
0: it used to be and I think their customer service is really lacking so for example like um, dealing with clients quite frequently and um, if they have a problem with like Google or like Google my business I know that I can reach out to Google and I'll relatively like get it sorted within maybe three to five business days give or take with the pandemic but with Facebook if a client comes to me and they have a problem with um, something about their page and um, anything else really it's really hard for us to actually sort it out for them because our customer service is just non-existent
1: yeah I, I actually had a customer at christmas who um had posted something on the page and somebody had reported it as a copyright issue to facebook and facebook then um, issued a takedown request to them and said they're going to turn the page off anyway the customer was absolutely dead right and certain that. the, the, the what they posted on there wasn't an issue, but there was absolutely no way to get a hold of Facebook. I and mean, it's, it's, um, to say it's non-existent would be an overstatement. It, it, there is no customer support with Facebook. I mean, you barely get support when you pay them for something. And I think it's just becoming a, as a day, I think they're just seen as an enormous giant company that potentially doesn't really care. And I think, you know, additional things around privacy concerns with the linking with WhatsApp, um I don't know, I just don't think they're doing themselves any favours, really.
0: No, and I think that was shown as well with what they were doing on Instagram. So, on Instagram, um, during the last lockdown, I'd say probably between the months of, like, August to November, they started this um, support small business thing where they kind of had, like, stickers and things that you could just, like, put on your post to support a small business. And... um, they actually got so much backlash from people just saying like, well, why don't you give us like the swipe up feature on our stories without needing like 10, 20,000 followers or whatever it was at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, it's kind of like they're being seen now as a company that's making all of this noise about these causes. But actually, like when you actually get down to it, the only thing they want to do seemingly from small businesses is is take their money.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's actually actually, a few years ago, I was, talking to the team and saying actually you know what in 2020s i I wonder if there would even be a need for businesses to have a website anymore because they could potentially rely on things like facebook actually i think i'm probably backtracking off that opinion now because i think people are starting to want to be less reliant on two or three enormous tech companies to be the in control of everything for their business you know just seeing things like facebook can put their own conditions on things that will change how yeah that client interacts with it or they've got to meet you know x y and z condition before you can have this feature it, it's it's quite prescriptive and i think um, people are going to start to look at trying to take let's say take back control to yeah to coin someone else's phrase um over their, their data and, and how and how they work on the website so i actually think that then websites will almost sort of see a, a resurgence in terms of why they're so important to businesses because as people start to want to pull away from the dominance of the social media giants. Um, and I think it's quite interesting what you said earlier about sort of Clubhouse, which is obviously a bit of a, a young upstart to social media, which has been around for a little while, but it's, um, it's sort of really taken prevalence, as i said, in the last month and a half, um, sort of January 2021 and sort of the back end of 2020. Um, because it's just a, it's new, it's probably where Facebook was when it first came out. Yeah, it, it doesn't seem to want to know everything about you it's got a cool purpose, and I think that's almost taking social media back to the roots of what it was supposed to be there for.
0: Yeah, and I can't agree more. And I think that's why um, TikTok as well. Just to um, just to liken that with, um, they don't really want to get a lot of your details. Um, I don't really know what the algorithm's like and how much data they capture from how you actually use a platform, and that's currently being debated quite widely. But um, all of the help that they offer you to try and get you to use a platform. Um, They're kind of like content creator um, kind of schools that they've got running. So,
1: although they actually just launched a business team as well, didn't they? So they were reaching out to businesses to use TikTok uh, the second half of last year. Uh, and they, they'd launched their own dedicated sort of TikTok business website where they were sort of doing some tutorials and uh, sort of how-tos on you know, what the, the benefits to a business being on TikTok would be.
0: Yeah, definitely. And they're definitely trying to get the big brands on there. And um, I think with what we can say from TikTok is um, just how the user-generated content that they're getting on there. Um, I think we've all heard now about the um, the Ocean Spray cranberry juice advert. Um, the guy who was like going to work on his um, skateboard, drinking the cranberry juice, just absolutely blew up because it was raw, it was honest. Um, it was just a real person actually having the product. And if we think about like the kind of demographic that Ocean Spray would use for their marketing, they'd never, ever try and target someone from that demographic. So they've actually managed to capture an audience that they had no no foothold with.
1: But yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, that user-generated content, sort it of goes further than just the social networks per se as well. I mean, if you think about um, YouTube, which is, for example, yeah, still the second most popular search engine in the world, um, obviously owned by Google, but I actually, I mean, personally, I actually watch more YouTube than I watch TV, um, and the people that I watch on YouTube are almost like TV presenters, and it's all just, you know, standard people in their own lives creating content, uh, and, yeah, it's interesting how they, they essentially while some of them try to become influencers and try and monetize themselves to death, um, yeah, actually, it's what people genuinely are interested in watching, especially if if there are sort of hobby areas or just sort of topics you're interested in. And obviously, YouTube and Google can power the content suggestions to you based on what it thinks you might like based on all its mining of your cookies forever. Um, but it's interesting how that's, you know, it sort of really uh, has grown this last year. I mean, the amount of content being uploaded onto YouTube is just insane. Um, and, and I think, yeah, the, it's just giving people another outlet, isn't it? Of somewhere to share content, somewhere to read content and view it. And and just sort of just because people are just sat at home watching things. So everyone needs a constant supply of things to keep them entertained now.
0: Yeah definitely and I think um, we can see that with like the the rise of video and um, be that short form or long form so Instagram actually put something out quite recently saying that um, basically to help you get better off in their algorithm and to get your content seen they're really starting to try and push reels and um, obviously with that reels is their kind of TikTok version so naturally they will be saying that to try and get people to switch over to um, them from tiktok but i think it's just it's just actually going to prove that facebook are really kind of on the on the back foot really when it comes to video which is why they're trying to monetize those platforms
1: i, I always got the impression with facebook that they they were good to start with because they were really quite innovative right early on then as and when people have bought in features like i think they've stolen quite a few features from twitter to be fair over the years um they they'd sort of retrofit them into their application as as they see it working for other people this i mean it's kind of what apple do let's be honest yeah apple don't really invent things they yeah they they go into a market that exists they look at what other people have done and do a better job of doing it and that's kind of how they've always worked um and i think facebook are in that sort of place where they are just trying to see what's Sticking by other people doing it, and then trying to bring it into Facebook to then pull those users from those platforms into the Facebook-owned platform. So, so it's a constant battle between all these networks to try and uh, pull users off each other. Uh, and I think yeah, the the user gets stuck in the middle of this. And I don't know about you, but you get a bit fed up of checking fifteen apps all the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, um, but one of those things I would say is um, Facebook is something that I've never really been. Very big, like big into anyway. Apart from Facebook Messenger app, um, I've always preferred. I'd say I've always preferred WhatsApp anyway. Um, Instagram, I quite liked. Facebook has always been something that like your mum wants to be your friend on. And uh, I yeah. think that's an
1: age thing because obviously for, for me, Facebook was like yeah, I, I can't remember how old I was. I must have been in twenties when I. I think no, two thousand and five six when I first met on Facebook. So. Some while ago, fifteen years ago. So yeah, I would have been yeah twenties, let's say. I wasn't uh,
0: old enough for account back then. No, exactly. So, <laughs> I was in,
1: so, so for me, that was kind of like. and It's interesting actually because everyone that I'm connected to is probably the same kind of age group. But actually, my daughter has no interest in having a Facebook page. No. So so, so I said to her before I said yeah, if some of your friends are on Facebook or obviously we are. Do you want one? She's like, Nah. Why would I want a Facebook page? Yeah, she's got a TikTok account, she's got an Instagram account,
0: Snapchat's probably a big one for that. I think she group. uses
1: Snapchat. I until i tell you um but yeah but she's got no interest in at all at facebook so so i think it's becoming like you say slightly older demographic um and the newer ones are just looking a little bit more interesting and fresh i think now but i think we could we'll probably see that continue through 2021 as there are some quite unique tools and different networks coming around um i say we i mean i think we'll cover it on another on another uh, podcast but um clubhouse has been really interesting personally i found
0: yeah i think clubhouse um I think it's just something that's completely new. Um, I guess it's kind of like bringing radio to everybody, um, making live podcasts, I guess, um, and making it collaborative. Um, One thing I would say as well in regards to social media, and LinkedIn's actually um, really kind of made me think about this. Um, Basically... No one, really, no one really gives a shit about business pages anymore. And um, I think when you actually see how people are kind of strategizing to get their company seen, it's all about the people that work in their company using their employees as like brand advocates and getting them to talk about things and just like network and use a platform for what it's actually about instead of pushing content out on a business page that no one really looks at anymore.
1: Yeah, I think we probably... Um We'll do a future podcast actually around um, LinkedIn business versus personal would be an interesting topic to cover. Yeah. Because I I still come across businesses every day that um, think that LinkedIn is all about the business page. Mm. And actually you you and I... Well, know that there's no um the traction difference between something that I would post on my personal LinkedIn profile versus what we were posting on our company page is miles apart.
0: I can actually I've got stats actually on this, yeah. so um obviously we're hiring for someone at the moment, and um, I posted the job on the um on the company page, and I also posted the job as a separate job on my LinkedIn page. On my LinkedIn page, the job that we posted yesterday, um, has got over a thousand kind of impressions on there on the company page. It's got something like two hundred.
1: Yeah, it's it's. I just think. I mean, it's all about algorithms, isn't it? With these uh, with these things, and I don't know. I just think that people engage with people. Uh, LinkedIn is yeah. very. It was always a person to person thing you know and, and sort of business ag- business agnostic in a lot of ways and they tacked on the company page as just a way to sort of register where you work and then they sort of started to social feed it a bit and it's just yeah, yeah it, it's almost the point where i genuinely would say that most people could just ignore it really it just doesn't add any value to your business unless yeah you know, just make sure it doesn't look like the last thing you posted on there was your four years ago christmas opening hours um but apart from that it just doesn't serve an awful lot of purpose
0: no definitely not and I think the way it's been used in the past as well people just treat it as like um, their social posts are basically billboard ads there to project at you they're, they're not there to get you to kind of like interact with them from a business page as well people don't necessarily want to be seen to be interacting with a business page but if you're actually doing it as a person they're happy to join in a conversation like your post comment I don't know answer your poll whatever it is that you've thrown up there.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think yeah, it, it's so we'll definitely cover it. I think on some more uh, topics. I think going forwards, I think we'll do some personal branding podcast uh, talks as well, just about yeah why it is important to uh, connect. And in fact, just just on a final thought on that I had a customer the other day, and I sort of um, was asking you know uh, where they get their business from, and they said LinkedIn. I said, oh, "Are you sure about that?" And they said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," because we're really well connected. And they said, um, "Oh yeah." I said, "Oh, who's connected? Oh, the MDs really well connected." And uh, it turned out he didn't have a LinkedIn page. So there's no way they were getting that business from LinkedIn because if, if he was that well-connected, I think he would have had a page <laughs> for a start. Um, but it's interesting that yeah, if you are if you are well-known in, in a particular industry and you've got a LinkedIn page, then actually as a business, that person is your best route to those LinkedIn contacts because um, it's just the way it would work in terms of the algorithms. Uh, but yeah, so we'll cover it another point, I think. Um, so yeah, so just to wrap up really, I think yeah, 2020, whilst, you know, horrendous for some people um i think in our let's say media agency world it was really interesting in terms of how it was changing trends and changing tools that, that people use and sort of just adjusting the way of life really um and i think yeah our next podcast which will be on the predictions for 2021 we'll probably look at how we'll how they how those things that were starting how they'll further develop
0: yeah, I can't agree more. So um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully you've enjoyed this um, little reminiscent look back on 2020. And um, it might have shown you some of the positives that have actually come out of the year as well. So if you've got any thoughts, get in touch with us at hello at so